The lesson is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Thank you, Bonnie. Paul's letter to the Philippians Maybe my favorite letter of his. I hesitate to say that because I like so many of them. But they're different. Um, you know, his letter to the Romans, for example, is uh, a theological masterpiece. It is brilliant. It was inspiring to people like Martin Luther. Uh, it's difficult. It's Paul at his theological best and trickiest in some ways. And then there's Galatians, another favorite of mine, which is a shorter letter than Romans. Every bit is theologically rich, but Paul in Galatians is sort of at his polemical best. He's trying to correct um, the believers in Galatia from following false teachers, and he articulates um, his vision of what the faith is. Uh, and then there's, of course, First and Second Corinthians. Corinth was a very troubled church, a difficult church, and so in Corinthians we see Paul as sort of a troubleshooter, trying to uh, fix the problems in the church and to correct things. So those are different sides of Paul, theologian, troubleshooter, polemicist. But in Philippians, in the letter that we're hearing today, it's Paul, the pastor in love with his church. The church at Philippi held a special place in Paul's heart. Um, and one reason, one sort of telltale sign of that is that the word joy or rejoice appears in Philippians more than it does in any other letter. I counted in 
a very short letter where there's only four chapters, I counted 15 references to joy or rejoice. Paul is filled with joy, and it's the joy of Christ and of his solidarity in Christ and the joy that he has imparted to the congregation in Philippi of that same joy. Now, in order to understand why Paul has such joy and why he's so in love with this congregation, it's important to understand the backstory a little bit. Sometimes we read these letters in church and you know, it's just another reading. And we forget that this, there are flesh and blood people behind these letters. Um, and so let me just talk briefly about Philippi. Uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. It's in northeast Greece. It was on a major trade route. It was named after Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. It um, was a place of some wealth. It was um, patterned, uh, its form of government and its architecture was patterned after Rome. And it was the first, it was the first European Christian church, which Paul founded, we think, around 50 AD. And the story of the founding of the church in Philippi is told in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And I won't go over that whole history, but an important key part of it is the conversion of Lydia. It's another reason why I like Philippians, because Philippians is filled with wonderful, faithful women, including Lydia. Lydia was a very wealthy Roman citizen. The, the community in Philippi was almost exclusively Gentile, very few Jewish members. And Lydia was the, one of the first Gentiles converted by Paul. And so Paul and Silas go to Philippi. They meet these women praying down by the river outside the town. Lydia is the leader. And they strike up a conversation. And who knows what was said. But at the end of the day, Lydia and her friends are all baptized. And they become the leaders of this nascent church. And they worship at first in Lydia's home. She's a wealthy woman, and she opens up her home, and the church of Philippi sort of starts in Lydia's home. And then the church grows, and Paul has to leave, and he goes, and he, find, he, he starts up other churches. He comes back once or twice, we know, in the subsequent years. But then he's away for a period of time. The letter that he writes, that we have, that we heard a bit from today, is written probably 10 years after he found the church and Lydia and her friends begin to start it. And Paul's in prison in Rome. And he's writing his friends in Philippi to let them know how he's doing because they're worried. In fact, they were so worried, they sent one of their own members, a chap called Epaphroditus, say that five times real fast, Epaphroditus, they send Epaphroditus to go to Rome to bring gifts to Paul while he's in prison. And Paul is writing back to let them know he's doing fine, 
He's filled with joy. He's so appreciative of these gifts from this church in Philippi. And poor Ep Epaphroditus, <laughs> see, I can't even say it twice quickly, he's uh, become ill. And so Paul's going to send him back, and, takes, and he makes sure that he's taken care of uh, outside of the Roman prison. And he wants Epaphroditus to go back, and probably Epaphroditus is the one who carried the letter from Paul and Timothy, and maybe Timothy went too, to bring it back to Philippi. But Paul, in this letter, and I encourage you to read the whole thing. It'll take you maybe 20 minutes someday. Paul, in chapter 1, just expresses his love for these people, the joy in his heart. And that's one of the overriding themes of the letter. And then this, the bit that we have today, which includes this section, you'll see on page 3 of your bulletin, this section that sort of set off from the rest of the letter. This is the first Christian hymn. Um, scholars, way smarter than I, have figured from both the Greek text and from other documents about the liturgical practices of the early church that this was a hymn that was sung in the early churches. And so Paul is repeating back to them this hymn that tells the story of the incarnation, the story of God becoming human, emptying himself for our benefit and showing what it looks like to be a loving, self-sacrificing human being. So what does it say? Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is a distillation of the core belief of the Christian faith, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us as an example of how we should live with each other in humility, in forgetfulness of self and service to others. And the community in Philippi, from all indications, took this message to heart like perhaps no other early Christian community. How do we know that? The church in Philippi is the only church that Paul holds up as an example in other letters. When he's dealing with a very messy situation in Corinth, when, and the folks in Corinth did not know how to behave properly, and he scolds them for this and that and that, he holds up, he says, why can't you be like the church in Philippi? <laughs> Who are 
so generous, and he recites to them the generosity of the Philippians in supporting Paul in his ministry and always being faithful and always being filled with joy. And so the themes that emerge from this letter that Paul writes are, first and foremost, joy, but also the Greek term is koinonia, which means fellowship, community. It means to have the mind of Christ rather than our own individual minds, and to have the mind of Christ in unity as a community, and to not let division separate us from each other or from God. Towards the end of the letter, there's this brief allusion to these two women in the church, Euodia and Syntyche, who got into a disagreement. And Paul doesn't describe what the nature of the disagreement is, but I think we've seen it and experienced it, right? Because we've all been a part of that disagreement in the church about this or that. You know, I think we should be doing this. You think we should be doing that. It happens all the time. And Paul says, let's have the mind of Christ. Let's treat each other with the same love that we have for one another. It's about unity. It's about becoming one with Christ so that these divisions fall away. So, joy, koinonia, community, unity, and then finally this theme of humility and service to others, which is the hallmark of the Christian life. Right? That kind of humility, I, I'm always eager to say, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. There's a big difference. We're created in God's image. We all have gifts and talents, and we should be justifiably proud of that and want to use those gifts and talents to the service of God's world. So it's not as if we should beat ourselves up or think that we're not worthy of anything. We are. We're worthy because we're created in God's image. It's, so it's not that you should think less of yourself, it's that you should think of yourself less <laughs> because you're always directed outside of yourself to others. And that's what the example of Christ is that's held up in this letter. And that's why Philippians remains one of my favorite letters. And I hope it becomes one of yours too. And it struck me, let me just conclude by saying this, that this was a really, really appropriate reading for me to be able to share with you this morning. Because I have the same love for this congregation in my heart that Paul had for the Philippians. I know we're just getting to know each other, but I have no doubt that this is where God wants me to be. And I have no doubt that by your presence here on a morning where you were supposed to stay home, <laughs> that there is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. And that I think that we all are coming to share the mind of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.